<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joe, you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. In our 670 of the score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No, no. no. Talk to D. Rose. Yeah, guys, you're going to make, make Matt, it happen. And Matt, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast. Locked on Bulls, five days a week. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop all your texts, all of your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Happy Friday to everybody out there. Hopefully you weren't too depressed by the return of basketball last night. Matt, it's going to be a very difficult end of the stretch of the season here, watching this Bulls team play, especially if Jim Boyd is not going to play his best players, but how are you? Uh, happy Friday to you. What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Happy Friday. Happy to be on the mics with you, bud. And uh, yeah, it certainly felt like a return to the norm uh, watching that game last night. Um, you know, it was such a lovely distraction and a much needed break all-star weekend. Um, and then the front half of this week is, you know, we, we had this nice stretch where we didn't have to watch any Bulls games. And um it was just like I forgot how painful it was to watch a Bulls basketball game. Um, because I mean, even just like it, we got to halftime of that game, and I was like, "Oh my god, we still have 24 minutes of basketball to play." And it probably didn't help that it was a game against the Charlotte Hornets for the fourth time already this season. It's you know, it's like I trust one of those teams where you feel like, yeah, you play Eastern Conference teams a bunch of times. It just feels like we play Charlotte like three times a month. Um, and it's it just so it was such ugly basketball back and forth by both teams a lot last night. And yeah, kudos to the Bulls. They got down big and then made themselves a run in the third quarter to make it respectable and, and kind of give themselves an outside shot at coming back to steal that game. But look, Charlotte led the whole night. They were up 21 at one point, and they they got zero points from Devontae Graham. Zero. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, if, if It's just another reminder of when Zach Levine does not pour in 30-plus, this Bulls offense doesn't have a – the Bulls didn't even score 100 points last night. I guess it's better than the 73 that they managed in a previous game against Charlotte this season. I'm not going to uh, dispute you on that. I saw the two. I saw the tweet they went out at halftime. You know, I thought I knew it was bad when I was watching the game. And I'll be honest with you, I was paying attention to the Bulls game, but I was watching some college basketball as well. And I saw the tweet that said Bulls go over 15 in the first half from three point land. It's like, seriously, it's like a broken record, man. I thought the break was going to help a little bit, maybe kind of reset some guys. But <laughs> we're back to the same exact basketball we were playing before. And on your Charlotte point, too. It does. It feels weird. I feel like every time we talk about like something that happens, it usually involves the Charlotte Hornets team. Just need to get away from playing the Charlotte Hornets for once. And I didn't think I was going to be saying that throughout this season. But I guess, you know, good news is 
with that win, Charlotte got to 19 and 36. The Bulls fall to 19 and 37. So we uh, we jumped them by half a game with those uh, draft lottery standards. It's unbelievable. So Matt and I aren't going to spend too much more time on this game. The thing that I think was the biggest storyline to go go on, starting out from All Star break, thinking we're getting healthy Wendell Carter Jr. back, getting a healthy Otto Porter Jr. back, um, feeling like okay, we're going to see these two guys for the first time, and what. Otto hasn't played since the first month of the season, and Carter hasn't played in about two months. No, we get Ryan Archidiakno who gets the start, and Thaddeus Young gets the start. Um, that lineup last night, Matt, looked like a tanking lineup I saw in late March when the Bulls decided, hey, you know what, we're going to take the next two weeks and try to lose as many games to better our draft position. Like, I don't know what they're doing, or if Otto or Wendell's not healthy, but I don't know why they told us earlier in the week that they were ready to go. Yeah, it just kind of seemed like a tease, but it just also is not surprising. Seemed to me like a continuation of the norm when it comes to this Bulls team and how they handle sharing information about their players' injury updates with the media and the fan base. Because, like, uh, uh, you know, other than hearing about some kind of second and then third opinion and additional MRIs with Otto and his foot injury earlier this season, it was like, like we've just gotten nothing. Like, as far as what's up with Otto until recently when it was like, oh, hey, he's on the court. He's got some shots up. Might be coming back soon. And then Wendell, I think maybe Wendell was just himself trying to say, I want to feel ready to play by Thursday, our first game out of the All-Star break, because Wendell's a very competitive dude. And I, and I know that he would love to be out there helping Zach in any way he can, despite the fact that this season is already in the toilet and that maybe he was just kind of uh, projecting his own optimism as opposed to really the Bulls being ready to clear him. Because at this point this season, bringing these guys back before they're truly ready is is pointless. I, I know that there are still some within that building who think we can still make a playoff push, but I think that that's ludicrous. I think you, you, it's not realistic when you think about their schedule in March and April, and why risk re-aggravating an injury to a player who is, all you know for all intents and purposes, is still part of your car mo- core moving forward, in, in a season that's dead. So, unfortunately, the downside of that is, okay, I understand being safe with these guys, but you get what we got at the back end of last season, which is trotting out a lot of G League rosters. And look, you know, Archie's a good dude, and he certainly balled out for this team last season when there were no healthy bodies left. And credit to him for earning the contract that he did. But when, when Jim Boylan says multiple times in the last couple of weeks that he likes what he's seen from the trio of Levine, Sato, and Kobe on the floor together. And then he doesn't start Kobe, but instead starts Archie. I just, like, why? It's brainless at this point, right? Like, there's no excuse for Kobe White not to be in the starting rotation at this point. Season's over. You answered the question I was yeah. just going to ask you. I was going to ask you if the season's over, and it sounds like you just said it, that it was dead. And to me, I felt like that... Season was over when they lost to the Lakers in November, man. <laughs> totally agree with that. All the injuries piled up, and the this fake halfway optimism from a few people in the Bulls organization thinking that they still have an outside chance at a playoff spot. Sure, by looking at the standings, maybe you do. But look at the roster the Bulls trotted out there last night. And look at the team that they played, too, and you still got scrubbed. You get scrubbed at home. The Bulls have been awful at home, too. Side note on that. 
but I'm with you. I don't understand why Kobe White didn't start. Chandler Hutchison's hurt again. Denzel Valentine's, I don't know if he's dealing with something or they're just saying that so he can sit. Either way, you don't have a whole hell of a lot of healthy players out there. And I think the Bulls need to wave the white flag. And I don't, this makes me even more angry about what they did, actually didn't do. The trade deadline. If this is the way that you were going to play, why didn't you get rid of Thaddeus Young and Thomas Sadoransky? Why didn't you get something for those guys? What are you holding those guys on for? They're only going to end up winning you games over the next six weeks and lessening your chance at a decent lottery pick at this point. It's the same carousel we did last year, Matt. It's, I mean, it's fair to wonder that. I honestly think the answer is, despite the Bulls' answer, you know, John Paxson's answer when he spoke on deadline day saying, well, we still need to see what we have and evaluate. I think the answer is, especially when it comes to Denzel, Thad, and Dunn, the three most likely trade candidates, they didn't have any trade value. I'm guessing they got no offers for any of those guys. And if they did, they were what the Bulls deemed to be not fair value. But I mean... Like there was like one, you know, report that maybe the Clippers were interested in Thad Young, and I'm guessing his own agent put that out there. We heard nothing about Denzel other than I think Casey mentioned that like the Sixers and the Grizzlies could be two potential teams who are fighting towards playoffs and could use a shooter off the bench. But both of those teams address that need in different areas. And then Chris Dunn's trade value went to shit when he hurt his knee like a week before the deadline. So Yes, I understand frustration with the inactivity at the deadline when the season is dead, but there could be just an ugly, harsh reality that the Bulls had no pieces of value to trade. Okay, well, I definitely agree with that then. You're right. The injury hurt the value of Chris Dunn. Thaddeus Young, you're probably right, too. There was a lot of other cheaper options for the teams, the, what, two or three teams that might have been interested in him. Look at this, what the Sixers ended up pulling in at a cheaper cost than maybe what it would have costed them to get Thaddeus Young. Same thing with the Clippers. So Yeah, Clippers got Marcus Morris. Like, I would take Marcus Morris over Thad Young in a heartbeat right now. Especially on the contract, too. That's kind of weighing the options because you still got Thaddeus Young signed for two more years at, I think, what, $11 million or $13 million. Regardless, teams have to factor that in as well. I don't know what Marcus Morris's contract is. Um, but, yeah, and then you ran out of spots, too. The limited teams that might have had somewhat of an interest in Denzel Valentine quickly ran out. I mean, the Heat traded for Andre Iguodala. That was over quickly. And then, again, back to the Sixers. They made their trade for their two players, and that was game over, too, there. So I understand it from that fact. But don't tell me that you need time to evaluate. Don't tell me that Thaddeus Young and this team and Zadaransky and all these guys that you brought in collectively that you still need to evaluate something. You're trying to change Thaddeus Young's game, what, 10 year, 11 years into his career? Clearly doesn't fit with this team. Denzel Valentine, somebody you should have just gotten rid of. I don't even care if you didn't get anything for him because you're clearly not playing him. He's not part of this future. So I'll give them a little bit of credit and I understand where they're coming from with the injuries and the timing and not finding trades and just making a trade to make a trade. I'm with you on that, but to say that we still got to evaluate, man, it's it, that's tough to swallow. And I think it's, I mean, it's just not true because, I mean, what, what, what were you doing in the first half of the season when pretty much everybody other than Otto was healthy for those large stretches? It's not like you don't know what you have with your players. You just are doing a poor job of developing them because you picked a coach who doesn't know how to 
highlight the strengths and minimize the weaknesses of the talent that he has and is so freaking stubborn that he's running the same system regardless of the personnel that he has available. That's not needing to see what you have with your player evaluation. That's you just, you know, treading water or not even more like drowning because of your own incompetence. I think people understand what we're trying to build. I want to get on to the some more interesting conversation, Matt, other than talking about a 10-point loss to the Hornets last night. By the way, too, I saw a shot at uh, tip-off last night of the arena. Probably may, maybe 5,000 people there, maybe. If, if, if I'm being generous, you know? I mean, who wants to go see Bulls Hornets, man? <laughs> You're right. Like, I... I uh... I got a text from one of my good buddies from high school in this like long uh, text thread with me and like, you know, a dozen or so of my other friends that all live in Chicago area. And um, two days or, you know, two days ago. So the day before the Bulls uh, Hornets game, he texted us being like, hey, I got two free tickets to the Bulls game uh, tomorrow that I can't use. Anybody want them? Crickets. Not a single response except for me uh, who had to say, ugh, no. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm working, but I wouldn't take them if you gave them to me. That's so depressing. It is just so depressing. Uh, but something that's not depressing, how about a trip to Arizona this spring? Follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. If you're like me and excited about the White Sox season, you can have the first opportunity to see guys like Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal, Yasmani Grandal, and more play. If you're not a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan, there are 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, all within a 50 miles of greater Phoenix. It's the perfect place to meet players and get autographs, too. Arizona is also known for amazing concert venues for live music and entertainment. You can also explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. And of course, you have to check out must-see destinations like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson. Arizona's family-friendly, equipped with tons of stuff for kids to do and see wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway right now. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That's visit Arizona.com slash spring training. So, Matt, the biggest buzz, I guess even extending back to the weekend, too. I know we haven't been on the mics together to talk about All-Star Weekend, uh, but... The buzz around the Bulls was mostly the chanting of the Firegar Paxes that we got pretty much on every national stage from the fans at some point or another throughout the weekend. And also, too, almost every social media post that I saw that included somewhat of a mention of the Bulls, the first probably two dozen comments were just the hashtag Firegar Pax, like underneath it. I felt bad for the Bulls social media team at one point. I'm like, man... This is the coolest weekend for any of those people that are working in the organization to run this. And when anytime they have to post something, all they see is these comments just flood their feed. Um, but outside of that, it seems as though the Bulls are going to make what they call, quote unquote, changes. Let's talk about the guy that has been mentioned so far. GM for the Pacers right now. I'm correct. Uh, Chad Buchanan, right? Correct. 
What do you think about him? What do you think about any of the other potential candidates that names that could come up in the next, I don't know, what, six, eight weeks until the end of the season where the Bulls are really going to go full force? But they said they're already starting to look. Start with Chad Buchanan. What do you think about him? What do you think about his timeline prior to interest with the Bulls and prior to when he was with the Pacers? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be some expert on Buchanan other than knowing essentially his resume. Um uh, obviously uh, has been the GM with the Pacers for the last couple of years. Uh, got hired June of 17. Before that, he worked with the Hornets for a couple of years, spent most of his NBA executive time uh, with the Blazers, uh, where he was the director of college scouting um, and oversaw that team doing some solid uh, draft work with, you know, players like um, he worked with them when they got the, the LaMarcus Aldridge deal on draft night, stealing him away from the Bulls and the Tyrus Thomas deal, Brandon Roy, he also uh, executed the trade of Jared Wallace, Gerald Wallace, that landed them the pick that ended up being the Damian Lillard pick. So the dude's got some success um, at the NBA level with with scouting and, um, and and transactions. The other little funny detail is that before he made his way to the NBA, he was an assistant coach at his alma mater, Simpson College, which is guess where, Iowa. Also, a brief stint as an assistant coach at Drake. Guess where Drake is? Iowa. It's like, really? The Bulls are trying to bring it outside the box. The first name that we hear is a dude who, like, you know, groomed himself as an NBA pedigree guy in the state of Iowa. How can we not escape this? It's unbelievable. Until until Gar Foreman or John Paxson leave, it's never going to escape. We're always going to have that. Always going to have some type of connection. And shout out to Bulls Blogger because he's the one who digs. It's gone back years now. Just always finds the connection. So shout out to him for that. Uh, but the one interesting thing I did find on Chad Buchanan, uh, and it was actually from uh, your workplace, Matt, NBC Sports Chicago, uh, talking to Thaddeus Young about his interactions with Chad Buchanan. I thought one thing that was pretty interesting was the question about establishing culture. That's all we've heard from the rebuild, right? Since three years in now is God established the culture that we have to change the culture here. We want to start building a good culture. Uh, and he asked him, like, how how was Chad when you were with the Pacers? And he said he was very responsive, uh, always willing to have conversations with players, very, very pro player, uh, always asking what they can be doing better, what the team can be doing to better, and seems very, very active. Um, something that would, I guess, it's hard to say what John Paxson and his relationship with players there are inside the inside the building, but if you have a pro player GM you feel like those guys won't just automatically sign off. You know, guy that comes in, new GM or new coach, players don't like him. They're gonna, they're not gonna buy in right away. So maybe a guy that's pro player will actually be active for the players for once, will help the Bulls. But I don't know anybody that's gonna be hired. If John Paxson is still part of one of the few seats that are in that room making decisions, isn't it just gonna be a yes man thing again? Yeah, that's why I don't really understand this and i'm very nervous about you know the quote-unquote change that's coming because this doesn't seem to be a actual change if all these reports and, and casey johnson and and cowley from the uh sometimes are essentially have reported the same things between sunday of all-star weekend and through this point of this week where it sounds like gar will not no will no longer be the gm and 
will be offered a role to continue his work that has shifted primarily to the scouting department and the Bulls are going to make a facelift to the scouting department and that the Bulls still very much value Paxson's voice and leadership and he will be a part of whatever this new front office structure is and will also be very involved in figuring out who to add to the front office. So whether it's Chad Buchanan or anyone else, the biggest issue to me is what candidates are you getting in the in the room for an interview who would actually want this job knowing that even if they are trying to give them a quote unquote empowered presence or you know a significant voice in decision making will they actually believe that they will have autonomy and power when Paxson is still here and Paxson is still the vice president will they need to get Paxson's approval to execute things or will they just need to get the Reinsdorf's approval and to me, Buchanan, as a specific example, I, like, why would you take this job if you're if you're Chad Buchanan? You are the GM of a Pacers team that has some very quality all-star talent. You know, Depot isn't an all-star this year because he was hurt for the first half of the season, but they got a first-time all-star in DeMontis Sabonis. They got Depot. They got this nice young core of players. They're a playoff-bound team, and he's the GM, and he has a great relationship with the VP, Kevin Pritchard. And why would you take a lateral move to the Bulls to be to be the Bulls GM and have to report to John Paxson? Like there was a piece, there was a, a, a sentence in Casey's latest piece when he mentioned Buchanan saying like, because Buchanan's had this long lasting successful relationship with Kevin Pritchard uh, that dates back to even prior to working in, in Indiana together, that he should be able to transitively have a great working relationship with Paxson, essentially saying, well, like if he gets along great with his VP, in, in, in place X, then he can get along great with his VP in Chicago. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, wh- like wh- why would you just assume that this dude wants to come and work for John Paxson in an organization that has for the last several years only been looked at from the outside in as disorganized and incompetent? Why are you taking that job? It's unbelievable. I'm with you. You know, I would understand it if the Bulls, say, had a better overall roster, maybe had a cornerstone piece that you could build around under contract for the next three, four years. At least you're going to something where it's an upgrade. This would be a downgrade in the sense of what's on the floor and what you're working with. Sure, maybe the status of the Chicago Bulls and the franchise as a whole is a lot larger. And, you know, it almost reminds me now, and it's getting to the early stages of that, Matt, of how Cubs managers used to feel about, you know, I want to be that guy that brings the World Series back to to Chicago. I want to be that person. And it was the same thing with the GMs. It's turning in it's going to turn into that soon enough here with this Bulls team. It's going to be who's going to be the guy to take them there. But you can't always just live on clout from your logo, from your franchise, from your branding, from Michael Jordan from 20 years ago. So I'm with you. You know, Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis seem like two cornerstone pieces of that team and seem willing to stay. And you have a great fan base in Indiana right now. They signed Malcolm Brogdon in the offseason. That team looks really, really damn good. And they're set up for a few more years, too. So And he built all of that. So why, I'm with you. Why would you leave now? It would make absolutely no sense. Um, somebody, and, and like I've heard some say, well... Because Chicago is better than Indian, Indianapolis, and the Bulls are a bigger, better market team than the Pacers are. Since when, though? And, but, like, but, like, who cares? Right. If, if the team that you would be going to take a job with is, yes, in a arguably cooler city like Chicago and a bigger market like Chicago, it's still a lateral job change from GM to GM. You have questions about how much power 
you actually and th- authority you actually will have in this job. And why does it matter that Chicago is bigger and better and cooler than Indianapolis if the team that you're going to work for in that city is this team? The last 20 years, the Pacers have been more relevant than the Bulls have collectively. 2000 yeah. to 2020, the Bulls have not been as relevant as the Pacers. The Pacers have gone on three legitimate chances where they flirted with NBA Finals. I mean, things go a different way, too, back in the early 2010s. I mean, that team of Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert, Paul George, those guys yeah. had a legit shot. And then you're like, turning it around only now with the other team that gave the Heatles trouble and arguably gave them more trouble than the Bulls did. And then we got the Lance Stevenson blow in the ear, too, which was classic. Oh, glorious. Um, it brings me to another point, though. I'm thinking of other people, too, out there that could potentially fill this role. And how I'm trying to, to see it is the way I tried to see it when the Bulls were talking about Jim Boylan, whether or not he was going to be here about long term. We can't think about it in a terms of what we would want. What's the most ideal? What's a utopia scenario, right? We have to think of it in terms of the eyes of the Bulls. Who's somebody that's connected to them, has some type of working relationship with either the Reinsdorfs or the Paxons uh, that is established enough to come in here and take this job? Another person that was on 670, the score earlier this week, uh, former GM of the Suns, Ryan McDonough, and Dan Bernstein actually asked him if he had any interest in the Bulls job, and he kind of tiptoed around it, obviously not wanting to step on anybody's toes with the job still being filled, but it sounds like he definitely wants another opportunity at being a GM somewhere. I mean, his track record with the Suns towards the end wasn't very good as far as player relations. I'm looking at a tweet right now from the Marcus Marcus Morris and his brother from the Morris Twins who liked a tweet that said Phoenix Suns have fired GM Ryan McDonough, and then also a tweet underneath it from Marcus Morris. So it seems like their earlier relations weren't all that great with him either. But Well, and the- let's be honest, like since the D'Antoni Nash years, the Suns have been one of the few teams in the league that's more irrelevant and incompetent than our beloved Bulls. That is true, and I'm, I'm going to look to see the Suns draft class while he was, while he was there, but... Somebody that doesn't have great player relationship. And honestly, I listened to the whole interview. He sounded very intelligent, too. And he seems like he knows what he's doing, but also doesn't seem like a guy that wants to be told what to do. And I think that was sort of a problem with him and Robert Sarver. Robert Sarver wanted control over things, and he didn't necessarily like that. On top of not having a great relationship with the players. So, outside of those two guys, who else? Who else can you think of just top of mind, maybe out there that the Bulls should go out and interview that should be top of list besides just the guys that are connected. Can you think well, of anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, there are some names that Bulls fans are interested in. Like, you know, I've had people asking me what are the likelihood of Masai Ujiri being stolen away from Toronto. And while I do think he might be stolen away from Toronto to go to uh, a bigger, better, new opportunity, especially considering that, you know, he reached the mountaintop. He got it done. He delivered a title to Toronto with that big, risky Kawhi move and might be looking to, you know, for, for his next challenge. But that is definitely a guy who would say, if I'm taking the job, you are giving me full authority. None of this, well, I'll run things by John Paxson. And, and by the way, Gar's still going to be lurking in our scouting department. No. Masai uh, uh, Ujiri has the cred now to say, uh-uh, if I'm taking this job, this is my job and no one's telling me how to do my job. So I don't think he's realistic. 
Shane Battier is a name that I really like and would love for the Bulls to try and get an interview with, but the dude has a very bright future ahead of him as an NBA executive, currently working in an assistant executive role with the Miami Heat, and I don't think it's very likely that you can pry him away from Pat Riley. Why would you want to not work for Pat Riley and instead come work for this incompetent big market team that operates itself like a mom-and-pop shop team? So, you know, those are two names that, yes, would be awesome, but I don't think are likely. The other name in the other field of not young executives and maybe retired players on the rise, but turning agents into executives, like, you know, we've seen the Knicks do recently with Leon Rose, and, you know, there's rumors that that uh, Rich Paul is is on the cusp of turning himself into that part of his career as not just a player agent, but a guy repping as an executive in a big-time market. Our very own Mark Bartlestein here in Chicago, who created and runs Priority Sports, a Chicago-based sports agency, who, you know, Jordan, you and I have some history working with Priority Sports because one of their rep- uh, one of the players they represent, Bobby Portis, uh, you know, did that, that bowling event with us uh, just a couple years ago. And Bartlestein is a guy who represents a lot of bulls of past and present. And so that's a name that was brought up. I think Friedel mentioned him when he was on the jump earlier this week. And to, and then somebody else asked me about it on Twitter uh, earlier this week when, when the name was brought up. I, I, don't, I don't dislike the idea of shifting towards making a player agent your executive because that immediately gives you a better in and better relationship between executives and players, whereas relationship between Gar and Paxson and the Bulls players recently has been dog shit. And nobody trusts them and nobody wants to come play here and they can't sign free agents. But Bartlestein in particular would give me pause just because it would be, in my opinion, a more of the same move, a thinking inside the box move. Let's think outside the box by making a player agent our executive. But let's make that player agent turned executive Mark Bartlestein. I don't love that idea. I don't know about you. It's a good way to put it. It's like the Bulls want to be innovative, but they want to do it their way, right? They still want to keep their traditions alive. Things very traditional, very loyal, want to hire somebody that they know, but at the same time want to do something maybe a little bit more outside the box, like hiring agent. I don't actually hate the idea of hiring an agent. I'm just looking at Priority Sports as Mark Bartlestein's clients in general for the NBA. Uh, Kyle Lowry, Gordon Hayward, Bradley Beal, which well, we can come, we can circle back to that in a second. Tim Hardaway, uh, Mason Plumley. Taj Gibson, Etwan Moore, two former Bulls, Doug McDermott, Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis, as you mentioned. Um, just looking for other former Bulls. Oh, Chandler Hutchison is on the team right now. So, yes, definitely. On top of, I'm pretty sure he was, what, Luol Deng's agent for a while. He was agent for Luol Deng. A couple other two Bulls in the early 2010s. But I don't hate that idea, but I'm with you, too. I think it's kind of like doing the same Unless you're going to talk me into somehow as soon as you hire him, the first move he makes is to go deal for Bradley Beal, then I could kind of buy into that. I would be down for that. But I'm with you. Messiah Jury would be a great pick. But again, it goes back to the, to the same point. Why would he leave Toronto? He could go to a different, a, a way better situation if he does decide to leave Toronto or they do decide to part ways than coming here to Chicago. It just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. And there's been absolute crickets about any type of connection between them. Um, Matt, another name, too, I was thinking of, and this is a name we talked about a lot last year. And I think we kind of bounced back and forth on the idea and pretty much shot it down immediately. Uh, David Kaplan was actually 
one of the people to bring it up first in his plan to fix the Bulls last year. And that was Mike Zarin from the Celtics. Obvious Chicago connections here. Um, grew up in Massachusetts, was a Boston season ticket holder, Celtics season ticket holder at one point. We said last year, I remember just saying, there's no shot. Like, if, if anybody's lined up to take Danny Ainge's job once he's ready to retire, it's got to be Mike Zarin. And why wouldn't you want to take your dream job with the team that you grew up loving? So, I don't know. If the Bulls could pull off a way to, to pry him from there, even if it is in the short term, that might be an option as well. Yeah, I, I like that name too. Um, essentially, that goes in line with how I would handle this search if I'm the Bulls, for the love of God, think outside the box. For the love of God, call people who do not have any connection to the state of Iowa, you know, just just for posterity's sake, (laughs) and start your search with assistant GMs and other second-tier executives in what? Winning programs. Organizations that have continued success. So whether that be a team like Boston or whether that be, uh, you know, a, a team like Milwaukee or Golden State or um, or like, you know, San Antonio, find people in winning organizations that are ready to take the next step and ready to take on larger roles. And for the love of God, use the momentum you have right now from All-Star Weekend to say, come bring the Bulls back to relevance and respectability in this great basketball city. We have an eager and loyal fan base that is desperate to, to get back. You know, that we are desperate to get back in our good graces. Come run the show. And you have to say, come run the show, not come be a part of the show. Come give us your opinion on how we should run the show. No. You are an exec who is ready to take the next step. Come take it here in Chicago. Be the hero that brings the Bulls back to relevance. And we won't get in your way. That's the pitch that they have to make. It's the pitch if they want to be relevant again, right? Not necessarily the pitch they need to make if they just want to get back to mediocrity and start selling some tickets again and start filling seats and maybe a playoff seed here and there. If they're truly bought into actually fixing this and doing what they said when they traded our franchise player in Jimmy Butler, they they have to do exactly what you said. Otherwise, they see no people at the United Center right now. Maybe in the short term, you hire a guy and you build up all the hype around potential hope for the for change. But real Bulls fans will see right through all of that. They will see right through all of that. And in the short term, it might work a little bit. You got to have a long-term plan, though. And I think it starts with thinking outside the box exactly what you were saying. Uh, just quick Rapid fire, Matt, some other names I'm thinking of real quick that have gotten interviews before. Chauncey Billups, any interest in him? Um, I, I mean, I would be opposed to putting him in the pool. Um, I, I, I certainly think he's got a good eye for talent and he's and he's got some uh, some chops. He certainly has great relationships within the league, although I, I have heard him give some takes on certain players that I'm like, yeah, I think Chauncey was a little off on that one. But hey, you know, nobody's you know, 10 for 10 when it comes to scouting talent. And I think just as important would be, especially if the Bulls actually add some other talent to scouting in particular, would be the inroads and the relationships you have with established stars in the league. I think Chauncey could work with that. Here's another name I'll throw back at you, Jordan. Former Bull, Mike Dunleavy Jr. Currently working as a scout for the Warriors right now. Any interest there? That's not a bad choice at all, actually. I feel like... I know it's sort of like, you know... 
just because he played for the team for a couple of years, not outside the box and has path, but it's not, you know, it's not like Dunleavy would, would be some like, you know, nepotism hire. And the, and the, and the guy is bright. Like Dunleavy's a smart dude. And I'm not at all surprised that he got into his scouting career right away when he retired. Yeah. I mean, literally comes from a whole entire family filled with a background in basketball. I mean, his dad, what played back in the seventies and then coached all the way through the eighties through up until now, I'm thinking, He's still coaching. If not, he was just coaching recently for a college team. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, I'm I'm with you. You know, just something different. Give me something different. I don't like. I don't hate the idea of bringing in a former player. Just like you were saying, connections with all of the guys relevant to somebody like Chauncey Billups or like a Mike Dunleavy. Get it? They get what players are going through right now. They were just in the league not too long ago. So they actually can connect better than I feel like some of these other guys like like Paxson and not to his fault. It's not his fault. He had to retire, what, 20 years ago. But right. he, it's funny, like, I don't think anybody views Paxson as a retired player anymore. That's the he's thing. Been in, he's been in this role so long. He's been running the Bulls for 17 years. And even before that was like he had a stint in broadcasting. He had a stint as an assistant coach. And so it's like nobody, especially nobody in Chicago, thinks of Paxson as a former player anymore. He's just like the evil Lex Luthor who's been running a team into the ground. That's the thing, Matt, is somebody asked me that too, is like, how how can Paxson just not want to just step away if it really does feel like he's tired of all of this? And I said, I don't understand it either. He walks away now. People forget about his stint. It might take some time. It might take three, four, five, six, seven years for people to kind of forget him and Gar's run here. But if the Bulls turn around and be successful, people forget that and will remember him as a legendary player, and for, especially for a lot of the people that actually got to see him play. Matt, for, for my generation is a little bit younger than you, we don't remember John Paxson playing at all. What we remember right. is John Paxson, the GM, the guy that ran the management, the guy that, that made our Bulls growing up very, very painful to watch. So... I don't understand why maybe he just doesn't care about that legacy at this point. Maybe he is that competitive that he feels like he can fix it. But that's what I don't understand is if if you're going to move roles and kind of move up, why don't you just move out? I feel like that would that's the reason why he left in the first place back. What a decade ago. Yeah. And at, at this point, it's like, yo, John, you're fine, man. Take take all the money you've made as an executive over these years. Just walk away. Like that was the other thing uh, in in Casey's latest piece, the one that mentioned Buchanan uh, and how the reshuffling of the front office might work is the the part that said you know Paxson has stated multiple times he he'd happily take any role that the Bulls deem to be the way he can best serve the organization. But what if that best way to serve the organization is taking no role? Because at some point, even Paxson has to look himself in the mirror and say. I've had a run. There were good parts and bad parts to this run. But at this point, like other than his own pride, what, like, why, why, why stick around and take this abuse? And that's, I think the other part to this front office, you know, switch around that we're anticipating that is maybe being a little bit overlooked. And a part that's very frustrating is if they, put this new person in place to say, all right, you're the GM. Now you're running things. The other thing, and Cowley has mentioned this specifically, it's going to allow Paxson to go back into the shadows. 
and maybe he keeps the VP title and maybe he doesn't and he's changed to some advisor role, whatever title, but it allows him to go back to the shadows because he had to come out from the shadows and tell Gar that he wasn't allowed to talk to the media anymore to voice the direction of the organization because Gar kept putting his foot in his fucking mouth. And Paxson, we've already seen in just a couple of years as taking the forefront of the criticism and the questions from the media is sick of it. He has gotten back into that role for a couple of years and is sick of it and is like snapping at media and accusing people of being, you know, launching interrogations when all they're doing is actually asking honest questions that we deserve the answers to. So that's the other element to this front office change up. Paxton can, can shy away from that accountability that we always want him to take. You know, and whether it's being fired or falling on his own sword and resigning and saying, all right, enough's enough. That, that's the other p- potential outcome of this front office changeup. Paxson can shrink back to the shadows again and make somebody else go talk. We understand better than anyone. What I don't get to, and he, here's the last thing, and I, we, we can get more into this next week too, Matt. For all of our listeners too who aren't living here in Chicago, maybe we don't pay attention to the White Sox or the other team that Jerry owns uh, closely, we can kind of go in there and talk about some similarities too of how they've dealt with moving on from a longtime GM that people frankly got sick and tired of. Uh, they did the same thing with Kenny Williams. And for a long time, it was probably, what, two, three years when Rick Hahn was actually named the GM of the team. He was actually allowed to do everything he wanted to without having to have approval from Kenny Williams or Jerry Reinsdorf first. But it took time. Kenny still had decision-making power. He still had all of that until it finally didn't work, that the, the Sox made probably one of the worst trades of this decade, tra- sending James Shields to San Diego. After that, they gave full reign to, to Han. So I don't know if if just pushing John Paxson up and promoting him and moving Gar to basically the back shadows and put him on the road for most of the year, that's going to change a whole lot of things, at least short term. You know, maybe somebody comes in here and starts fixing things minorly, but maybe it does take two or three years for them, and it's still not working, for them to finally say, you know what, full reign, complete reign, you can do whatever you want, just fix this team. But that's the other thing I'm very, very scared about, is how long is it going to take for the GM to be allowed to do everything he wants without having to run it by anybody? And that's why I think it is so crucial that if the Bulls actually want to create real change, that they have to clean house and say, thank you for your time and your service, Gar. Thank you for your time and your service, John. But we need a fresh start, and that doesn't happen if y'all are still here. And that's why, and this is, you know, I, I can wrap up my thoughts on this conversation with the following. Our buddy Ricky O'Donnell, who writes for SB Nation and is one of the uh, hosts of, of Cash Considerations, hashtag Bulls Pod fam, put it brilliantly in his most recent article about the Bulls front office and, and the changes that may or may not happen. The most important person in all of this is Michael Reinstorf. Someone who the fan base knows right now as only the son of an owner who got a quote-unquote job just because of nepotism, who is technically the president of the Bulls. Jerry's the chairman, Michael's the president. What has he done as the president? Well, he's made sure that the Bulls remain a very financially stable and cash cow kind of organization, making money hand over fist. He has not, however, done a good job of putting winning basketball teams on the floor because Michael Reinsdorf doesn't know jack shit about basketball and how to win it. But what he can do is this. 
convince daddy that enough loyalty, thank John, thank Gar, and say, y'all done. We have to get a fresh start. You sick of seeing the United Center three quarters empty every night? We have to get a fresh start to win back this fan base, to win back the trust of this fan base that is so desperate to be diehard fans that spend their hard-earned money to come support our team that they love so much. Michael has to be the one. Jerry's checked out. Michael has to be the one to convince Jerry we have to move on completely. And as Ricky put in his column, it could turn Michael Reinsdorf from who, what, nepotism, huh, into a hero in this city. And all he has to do is convince his dad to fire two people that should have been fired years ago. If he wants people to truly think that he cares about the Bulls, he has to do exactly that. Exactly, exactly, exactly what you said. But we wait. We do as what Bulls fans of the modern era have done the best is wait. We sit here and we complain and we wait. Man, I figure we I would I would end our where uh would end our podcast on a little bit of a brighter note. I um I felt like we never we kind of glossed over this. We didn't talk about it at the end. Uh, but you what you are hearing is not only four-year Michigan State player with the 14th pick AP player of the year but also now the Chicago Bulls new rap star Denzel Valentine didn't, uh, didn't quite have the street cred yet to get into uh, say opening for Dame Lillard on All-Star Weekend <laughs> no uh, it, it, those honors those honors went to Taylor Bennett yeah Chance the Rapper's brother but yeah, we can talk about this next week too because I want to like just play this over and to kind of dissect it because it is kind of Yo, funny. I, even, even as somebody who came into this season as not a Denzel hater, but somebody, you know, cracking jokes at his expense, talking about missing all 82 last season, I have now become a Denzel sympathizer with Jim Boylan's inexplicable benchings throughout the season. And so stupid. even as a Denzel supporter, man, I got to say, not impressed with that first drop we heard. <laughs> so stupid. But I think that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Thank you so much for listening. Hope all of you Bulls fans have a wonderful weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line 331-979-1369. You start thinking about names as potential GMs. How do you guys feel about what potentially could go on over the next eight weeks or maybe at, right at the end of the season with changes in management? Uh, drop your voicemails, drop your texts, tweet at us. Wherever you want to hit us up, make sure you do that. We will get back to you and we'll play, start playing some voicemails next week especially so make sure you drop those at 331-979-1369 thank you to arizona tourism for sponsoring today's show again remember book your spring training getaway at visit arizona.com slash spring training for matt peck i'm jordan malley bulls nation have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend we'll be back with a fresh episode on monday for jordan and matt we are out deuces locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 